for the What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep, bro. Uh, why is that so low? Oh, I'm Christina P. How are you? Thank you for joining, uh, downloading my podcast today. I've got a really great show for you. Lots of cool shit. Uh, but first, I would like to plug some upcoming dates I have. I'm doing the road, doing some one-nighters. Um, I'm starting in Seattle, September 27th, Seattle. Uh, actually, I guess Tacoma. Let's be honest. Tacoma Comedy Club. September 27th and then September 28th in Portland, Oregon at Helium Comedy Club. And then October 4, Dallas Tejas at Hyenas Comedy Club. October 5th, Houston, Texas at The Secret Group. Shh, it's a secret. October 23rd, Indianapolis, Indiana at Morty's Comedy Club. And then October 24th, Cincinnati, Ohio at Go Bananas. And then... um, and then I'll be doing December 9th and 10th at Washington, Washington D.C. at the D.C. Improve Improv. Uh, tickets can be found at thousandranch.com. I spell out the word thousand, T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D, ranch.com. Come out and see me. It'll be fun. Um, because I'm only doing one show and because my uh, I won't be uh, depressed and horrified because I won't be spending five days in a hotel room. I'll, I want to hang out after and meet you and say hi. And, uh, I'm selling a cool ass tour poster too. Hopefully let's see if that, if that comes together, if I can figure out how to print them, I'm such a dope. Um, there we go. There's that Amazon, please. I implore you if you are shopping on Amazon, which I hope you are because it makes life so much easier Please use my banner on that's deeprowpodcast.com. What that means is you go to that website that I just uh, click on the little square. It's called a banner at the bottom of every blog post. And then just do your shopping as you normally would. It just kicks back some change to the show and helps me um, keep doing this stuff. Uh, I eventually want to start video recording the show and putting it up on YouTube. Wouldn't that be neat? Then you can guys, you guys can see me um, sitting alone in the studio, <laughs> just talking to myself and yelling at my dogs and drinking coffee and burping. And I'm sitting in my pajamas right now. Uh, it's the first thing. It's ten o'clock in the morning. My kid is down for his first nap of the day, and I'm sneaking in a podcast. Oh, isn't that great? And I have no makeup on. I barely brushed my teeth. I've taken my morning dump. Thank you for asking. Um, and that's where it is. Okay. Are we ready to party? (laughs) Are you ready to get deep bros? Does everybody have their wine? Is everybody, uh, sufficiently medicated? I wish I, I wish I could. Gosh, I'm doing the show at 10 in the morning. Uh, let's do it. Let's kick it off with obviously my favorite, a little Brazil, Brazile. Okay. Okay. Maybe I push play again. Okay. Brasil, meu Brasil, brasileiro, mulato em zoneiro. Vou cantar-te nos meus versos. 
Brasil, samba que dá bamboleio que faz gingar O Brasil do meu amor, terra de nosso Senhor Abre a cortina do passado Tira a mãe preta do cerrado Bota o rei Congo no congado Canta de novo o trovador A merencória, a luz da lua Toda a canção do seu amor Quero ver a dona Salões arrastando seu vestido rendado. Esse coqueiro que dá cor, onde amarro a minha rede. What are they talking about? Jao Gilberto. can't be stressed out and listen to this stuff, right? Every morning, we'll wake the kid up. And the kid's awake. What are you talking about? Put him downstairs in the high chair, and I put this kind of music on, and we have a nice morning, right? Husband comes downstairs. Dogs. Ugh. It's the best, dude. You can't be upset when you're listening to Brazilian. Anyways, guys, how are we doing? checking in um the husband and i took our eight month old for a weekend getaway and if you have children you know there's no such thing as a vacation when you take your children with you <laughs> uh we tried you know it's fun. some things you can do you know you can go to a restaurant and then there's like the hour point where your kid loses their mind and needs to get out of there it's like you enjoy stuff in increments when you have a kid um And it was good. It was good to leave the house. I think we needed to because we were all getting a little cabin fevery here. Uh, but then the problem is, um, which we didn't, I didn't think about, but when you stay in a hotel, you, you, there's other people. And when your kid cries at four in the morning, you can't just kind of let him cry it out for very long because <laughs> people don't like that. And we had reserved these uh, rooms that were supposed to be for 18 and over and nobody told us that so there were like honeymooners and people fucking and here we are with our kid just ruining everybody's vacation it was super fun i really like that i don't know and it, what really made me laugh is that we we ordered uh room service for breakfast and we we're sitting outside to enjoy you know nature and the views and we didn't bother we just forgot to call in room dining to take it away and we left it out all night And then, and there were raccoons everywhere. And the next morning, it was all gone because all the raccoons had eaten it, <laughs> which makes me laugh. I think it's so funny that raccoons steal like, you know, roasted potatoes and omelets and shit, and eating my my chorizo and fruit. They ate everything. These fuckers eat everything. The only thing they left behind was the jam. It's pretty good. So yeah, we took baby jeans out. You know, my anxiety is getting less and less with taking the kid out in public. I don't know if you've had this, if you have kids, but I, I really didn't enjoy taking him out for like the first few months of his life. I, some people I see, they have newborns and they're like, we're going to the fucking Hollywood bowl with our newborn. We're going to the movies with our newborn. And for us, Ellis hated leaving the house. 
we tried taking him for a walk when he was, you know, a couple of weeks old. And it was, he was born in December. So we kept him inside. It was like cold and flu season, but, um, he just cried the whole time in the stroller. He, he hated the car seat, hates the stroller. So we really became, it's like, this kid was definitely our son because we hate leaving the house. Our kid hated it, just screamed. So, you know, we more or less kept him close. So this was the first time we, we did a trip with little jeans and my God, it was good. It was actually good. He's pretty adaptable, except for not letting him cry at all uh, in the night, which was really shitty. Because usually at the house, if he cries, you know, it, it lasts maybe two minutes and then he goes down. It's just, you know, blips in the night, guys. Anyway, that's my saga. Um, I wanted to share something with you that I read. I, I absolutely love this guru. Um, I've mentioned him before. His name is Swami Sachidananda. Swami Sachidananda. And... Um, he became like a, a hip guru in the 60s. I guess a lot of people liked him and he was at Woodstock. And I just, I you know, I love him because he's kind of a comedian. He's kind of a silly guru. You don't, you know, some are serious, some are, um, some are heavy, some are light. And he's really a light guy. If you go to YouTube and just Google Swami Sajidananda, you'll see his videos and He's obviously, you know, like they all are, skinny little Indian dude in a in a robe, and um, some of them talk too slow for me, which makes me lose my mind, and I I just I can't take it. So he talks at a normal pace, which is great, um, and he talks about really common sense living stuff, and I I just I, I resonate with this guy, um, you know, he's my guru, and then obviously I have other gurus too you want to know why you're all fucked up that guy and then swami so this one i have an app and every morning i get um a little whatever inspirational shittle tater from my guru who's dead by the way so somebody else is doing this and um this one this was an interesting one how to deal with anger and uh, he writes what is the best way to deal with anger Question yourself, why am I angry? Because the other person did not act the way you wanted. You wanted something and you didn't get it, so you are angry. The cause for your anger is your wanting something. If you accept people as they are, you won't get angry. You are the cause for your anger. Does that anger help you? No, it affects your health. Accept people as they are. They are all at different levels of growth. One day slowly, they will grow. Which is interesting because like, uh, you know, the human reaction is when somebody pisses you off. Even listen to that phrase. Somebody pissed me off. That guy pissed me off. That girl pissed me off. It's really not possible for somebody to piss you off. It's possible for you to react to somebody acting like a douchebag. But the truth of it is you are the keeper of your buttons. You are the keeper of your reaction, right? Uh, but I, I really, I just resonated with me because it's so easy to get caught up in other people's um, actions, right? And then you get you get all fired up, and dear God, it's just a vicious circle. So there, I like that. I um, saw my shrink yesterday, and I uh, came out of it. And after I see my shrink, I like to go meditate at this place, half hour quickie just to kind of let it marinate. You know, I find that on therapy days, I have a really hard time 
um, being funny just because like I, I go there. I go deep, bros, every week. I like to really fucking get in there. I like to figure things out. And it just it just functifies me a little bit for just that day. And then I shit, you know, and then life comes back. And I, uh, hold on, I, I have to write this thought down before I forget it. Uh, so I went to go meditate after. And it's funny because I, I got into a deep with my shrink about just some stuff that I, I needed to feel. I needed to, I needed to let it marinate. I needed to let it kind of move through me. And I, sometimes this meditation place, the theme is really spot on and I get to work through my stuff and I leave there and I go eat lunch and I come home and it's great. But yesterday it was an interesting thing happened. I, I wanted to just kind of sit with my murkiness after my shrink session and that's fine. You know, I go for a car ride. I, I like to think about what we talked about because it's so easy to, you know, you talk to your shrink and then it just out the other ear, right? In one ear, out the other, on with your life, suppress it, push it back down and let's go on. And I don't want to do that. I don't like to do that because it's a waste of everybody's time. I like to really think about it. What, what do we talk about? How does this affect me? How can I feel whatever it is I need to feel so I can get on with it and become perfect and never have to feel things again, right? (laughs) Good luck. So I go to my meditation place and um, the theme of the meditation, the guided meditation we did was happiness. And like, it really, for some reason, I fucking hate when people say things like, you know, it's been scientifically proven that if you if you smile internally, then all your organs, it's been proven, the endorphins released and the serotonin and the blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know what? If you're fucking using science for everything, then guess what? Every year it's going to be different because science changes constantly, right? One year blueberries are great for you. They fight cancer. The next year they're bad for you. They cause diabetes. So I don't really put a lot of merit to these. A study says that blah, blah, blah. Because guess what? A study said that vaccines were bad for children a few years ago. And uh, that ding dong Jenny McCarthy latched onto it and told women to not vaccinate their babies. And now uh, whooping cough is back because parents out there listened to one study that was proven to be incorrect it is not true. It doesn't cause autism or whatever. I mean, look, generations of us. I had fucking mercury shot into me uh, first part of my life, man. In 1976, I was born. I had all that stuff shot into me. I'm totally fine. Healthy as a horse. Guess what? I was formula fed. Uh, my mother gave up on breastfeeding, I think, two weeks into my life, and I'm fine, and I'm healthy as a horse, and I never get sick. Rarely do I get sick. Once a year, I get sick. <laughs> so uh, I go to this meditation, and she's telling me how it's scientifically proven. Um, if you're happy, you're not going to die of cancer. Well, I, I believe in that stuff a little bit. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So the meditation was to try to make us happy. And I really don't, I don't like happiness as a goal. I've said this before on my show. Uh I mean, it's good. Listen, I'm not anti-happiness and I consider myself to be a fairly happy person. I know that's ironic, but I am. Uh, But I think happiness as a goal is ridiculous because you're asking people to swing that pendulum. There's a pendulum, right, of emotions. There's negative, there's kind of neutral, and then there's happy, I'm 
so happy. Oh, I'm so happy. And I think it's dangerous in a way because if we're always striving for, I'm happy, I'm so happy, I'm so happy. You know, you see people on social media who are like, oh, I'm so blessed. Oh, I'm so thankful. And oh, I'm just, I'm happy and thankful. And isn't it, oh, I'm so amazing. Uh, every, and, and I, you know, there's a time and a place, obviously, for that stuff. But I, I think that um, the goal then becomes to always be in a state. Oh, I'm happy. That, that Coca-Cola manic um, nonsense uh, that American consumerism pushes, that I think American culture in general pushes, uh, which is why a lot of people are fucked up and on antidepressants. <laughs> why? <laughs> I think it's why all of us think our lives are falling short of some American ideal, uh, why we all feel inferior and why social media is flooded with pictures of us being deliriously happy all the time. And it's funny because I just spoke to a friend, uh, it was her birthday a while back, and I looked at her profile on Instagram and and it's all these pictures of what a wonderful day it was, what a wonderful day, and we went to this thing, and then we went to this thing, and here's my family. We're so happy. Everybody's so happy. And I talked to her about the birthday and it turns out it was a horrible day. She didn't get what she wanted from her family. No, people didn't acknowledge what it, <laughs> her at all. Uh, they didn't do what she wanted to do. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Because my perception of that day based on the happy, happy uh, social media world, it was totally different. Totally different. I'm not blaming my friend for posting positive pictures, of course. I mean, that's what you do. It's your birthday. You're not going to post shit pictures of your birthday. Oh, fuck this. I mean, you know, obviously. Um, but I, I do think happiness is an unrealistic and futilistic and weird goal as a goal. I think there's moments of happiness that come daily and you should celebrate them and enjoy them. And I do. And when they come, I enjoy them. And then I let them go. And that's the trouble and that's the, the, the danger of being a human being is that you get in the chasing the dragon thing of happiness, right? The Coca-Cola and a smile, McDonald's will give you that happiness. Um, a new handbag will bring you happiness. The new car will bring you happiness. Getting laid will bring you happiness. Beer will bring you happiness. General Electric, uh, electric will, will bring you happiness. All of these things. And it becomes this constant cycle of chasing the happiness dragon, when will I feel good again? Well, when I buy this thing or when I achieve this thing or when I do this thing or when this happens or when this person acts the way I want them to act, then I will be happy, right? So I don't know. Maybe the meditation was a good thing because it tells you to be happy for no reason. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. The fact is uh, chasing the dragon of happiness. That's the one aspect of it I don't uh, like and I don't really agree with. And I think if it it comes, it comes, and that's great. And if it doesn't, then that's great. And life, to me, the point is acceptance. It is peace. If I should meditate for something, it is for peace. Not at world. I mean, that's fucking stupid. I'm talking like inner, you. It starts with you. Your peace. Your peace. Your, your mantra, I think, should be peace. Thank you. My, my mantra, not yours. This is what I do. I don't know. You like what I do? You can do it too. If not, that's fine. Uh, but yes, happiness, go fuck yourself. It's a stupid goal. It's a fleeting and foolish goal. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. What do we got today? I talked about my meditation. I talked about, uh, okay. So I had some really great emails come in. You guys are so, 
uh, wonderful with your emails. I really appreciate them. You may always email me at thatsdeepbropodcast at gmail.com. I do read them all. I do not answer them all. And I apologize for that. It's simply a time issue. I don't have the time I used to, so I don't um, answer everybody. But please know that I read them and I, I think about you guys and I appreciate them very much. Um, let's start with this one. I really think this is an interesting one. This one really tickled my taint when I read it, as some of your emails do. You know, they they uh, tickle my my uh, rectum just a little, and then it uh, marinates, and um, and then I think about you for 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 hours. It's so weird. So I got this one, and this is from a, a girl. Like that matters, guys. I'm non-binary and I'm not gender uh, biased either. And I don't. Oh, hold on a second. Sorry, guys. Show business emergency. I had to answer an email right away. So funny how I think um, the entertainment industry has such an inflated sense of importance. It's so funny. Like we're not um, saving lives. We're not driving ambulances or curing cancer, but man, you would think that we are with the sense of importance (laughs) of like, you got to answer this right now. Like, okay, Mm, whatever. So here we go. First email. I just love this. Okay. Um, she, she writes, I was listening to this week's and started thinking about the power of your own instinct when it was mentioned with controlling our lives and all the other wise words of Oprah. I think my instinct is nearly non-existent and I kind of just float along in life. The idea of having a bad feeling about someone or something never really crosses my mind. Um, I think what goes hand in hand with that is that I have never really felt so strong about something that I have pushed myself to want it or want to keep it, whether it's a job, relationship, goal, etc., I'm pretty content with my life and believe I have a lot to be proud of, but feel an emptiness when people talk about their passion driving them and knowing something was a right fit for them. I feel like passion isn't the right word. Many consider me as a very passionate and dedicated musician and teacher, but I still don't think I've had a strong drive to do it. Either way, I've had some friends with many accomplishments that have said they feel similar. So I know it's not just me being a blob and not trying, or maybe it is. Okay. Would you be able to bring up either of these topics? I'm curious on your take on the power of instinct and why some people have a stronger sense than others. And if you think there is a relation between that and having some strong desire. Yeah. um, There are very successful people. I, I think success and passion are often linked um, and then they're they're often not linked because there are people who are v- very sorry. I'm just reading um, an email that came in from my from my very important manager. There are people who are very god damn it, um, very good at being goal oriented, but are divorced from a quote passion of the thing they are working. And and again, that goes a lot in show business. I know people that are very career oriented comedians, right? They're great at the business of it. Maybe not so much the passion of being an artist. And those are two different types of just people. Neither is better or worse because we both serve a function in the rainbow of show business, right? Um, And I think maybe that may be what you are referring to emailer is is just goal oriented successful and then but it sounds to me like if you're asking that 
passion might be something you're interested in because you're asking about it and inquiring about how you develop a sense of instinct about things. And I think, like I, I've talked about this before on the show, but I, I was listening to a Justin Timberlake interview um, a while back. On, oh, I was on Oprah's masterclass. Oh, there's my baby crying. And, um, you know, he had a really strong sense of passion from the age of like four Justin Timberlake knew that he wanted to be a singer and that's just how it was for him. And for some of us, we're not so lucky to be born knowing who we are, what we want to do, and what we're going to do. Some people, I think, are put on this planet. I think we're all put on, I think, let's revise that. Everybody is put on the planet to serve, serve other people, to serve a function, a purpose. Every one of us is destined to be whatever that thing is we're destined to be. Some of us take longer to get there because we're working through, I think, karma. You're working through your shit. And so your destiny is there, but maybe you're not ready to uh, assume that role because of whatever things you need to work out. Now, some people get the goal sooner and they work through their karma destroying uh, their lives. (laughs) By that, I mean, you'll look at the John Belushi's of the world, people who are so talented, um, and the countless other actors and singers who get what they want and become these amazing geniuses and then OD on drugs or fuck up their lives in some other way, shape, or form because they haven't worked out the karma. They haven't worked out their stuff before they achieve um, some massive goal or whatever passion that it is. Okay. So the question is, how do you become attuned to your intuition? I think it's a function of age. Um, I don't, I didn't know what the fuck I wanted or was doing in my twenties. I, I think I, had I just sat still and listened a bit more, I would have figured it out. And instead I chose to do a lot of things instead of think, instead of connect to my internal, uh, voice. And I think that's because it's a learned thing. I don't think you're... Some people have parents who are very enlightened and teach them how to listen to that inner voice. Some people grow up with people who do not believe in such new age horse shit. And as a consequence, you grow up being externally led. Um, The truth is you are internally led. What does that mean? That means that inside of you, uh, I believe there's a an emotional gauge that lets you know what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And sometimes you want something so bad, you're going to ignore the emotional gauge that tells you it's bad because your brain thinks you want that thing so bad. And that's when you get into trouble, right? Uh, Think about the person you date. You know they're dog shit for you. You know they're a bad apple. And you think, but I'm so lonely. I just want to be with somebody. That's the, that's the thing. And then you feel it in your gut that, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't feel good. And you go ahead with it anyways. And I'm not saying you ever stop sometimes doing that. Like there's, there's a road I'm on right now and I feel it. I feel that it's not right. And, um, but I'm letting it play out just a minute longer. (laughs) Um, but I know where it's going and I'm going to let it play out a, a minute longer and then I will, do what needs to do, which is correct the path. Because you can always correct path, right? You can always reroute 
where you're going. You're not necessarily, I think people get so caught up on making decisions like this is it, this is the forever decision. Um, you don't realize that you can kind of correct. Okay. There's, there's things that can be undone. Nothing is totally, totally permanently fucked. You're never that fucked unless it's prison, death, cancer, eh, even not cancer, um, certain things, right? There's, there's, there's course changing. Even actually, no, within all those realms, there's ways you can change course. Um, so how to cultivate that an intuitive inner voice? See how you feel. How does it feel when you think about doing X, Y, and Z? You know, when people ask about finding your passion, I remember for the longest time I wanted to be a comedian, but because of my brain and my upbringing, people telling me how stupid that was and how crazy that is. You'll never do it. You'll never be able to. You're a woman. There's no female comics. You'll never have the same career as a man. You're never going to... Uh, the, the attrition rate's so high. You're never going to... Are you kidding me? Who makes a living at that? I heard that so many times. So my brain would tell my heart, no, 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 no. And what happened was I just kept doing it, right? You keep doing it because it's what you fucking want to do. And it felt right. Every time I'd get up and go do a spot, it felt right. It felt right. That felt right. And I had to override the brain telling me how stupid that was to want to be a comedian. And I keep, keep pushing and pushing and then things kind of fall together, right? If you keep pushing the will. The will, uh, the will is a magical thing. But that's a different story. But how do you know? How do you know what your passion is? How do you know? You know what your passion is because it lights you up, right? You know what your passion is because you can't stop thinking about doing that thing. And the people who go, I don't know what it is. It's because you're, I think, it's because your brain is telling you, no, you don't have a passion for um, refurbishing chairs. That's stupid. Who has got a passion uh, for cupcakes? You know, I have a I have a family member whose passion is cupcakes. Cupcakes, pastries, desserts. <laughs> I know, it sounds stupid. Not really. She ended up writing a book about it and um, making a brand about cupcakes and her love of pastries and her love of chiclet and all these things. So it's it'll sound irrational. And that's a problem with today's uh, society and is the science stuff I was talking about before like oh well scientific studies says you do, 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 do. is that we're a society that thinks that if you can't see it touch it taste it smell it that it doesn't exist and that's just not true a lot of stuff that happens is intuitively based you can't explain why something happens and sometimes it just comes um, I mean look at how babies are made that that shit is a force of nature man that's not a ra- it is scientific obviously yes but I'm saying that there are these forces they come together, fucking magic happens inside of your body. And nine months later, a person comes out, a fucking person. And you see none of it. It just happens. It unfolds naturally as it should. And that's how we are, right? You're two cells that fucking come together and you evolve. And if you listen to the voices inside of you, the feelings inside of you, if you're quiet enough, if you quiet the mind enough through meditation, through meditation, through meditation, do you hear a theme? If you quiet the mind's chatter, because the mind will tell you you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're too old, you're too fat, you're too dumb. You quiet those voices and you listen to what it is that the heart wants. And that's your passion. There you go. Truth. Absolute. But again, it's because the critical mind will lie to you. 
the ego. That's what they call it, right? In spiritual practices, your ego is going to lie. The ego is made up of all the shit you heard growing up. So your teachers, maybe your religious organizations, your parents, well-meaning people who gave you the messages somehow, or you interpreted the messages as, uh, you know, people who love cupcakes are all fat dum-dums. But I love cupcakes. Shut up. No, you don't. <laughs> so listen to the themes. You know what I did for a long time to discover what I liked? Because I, I didn't even know what I liked at a certain point in my life because I, you know, whatever childhood shit, I didn't even know what colors I liked growing up because I was told what to like. And I started doing this thing where I simply took photographs of things I liked and I enjoyed because I didn't know what I enjoyed, believe it or not. <laughs> it's horrible. But, um, and then I just took mental notes of the things I enjoyed write it down, keep a list. I keep an, and you know, in, in your iPhone, if you have an iPhone, the notes, feature. I like to write down certain things, themes, ideas, stuff that gets my motor going. And even doing this podcast has helped me kind of develop more and more about what I like saying, what I like talking about, what interests me, what blah, 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 blah. Keep a list. Oh, I saw this uh, thing in a, you know, in a window, shop window today of uh, a dog wearing a sweater. Oh, I like dogs and sweaters. (laughs) Keep a list of the stupid stuff that makes you excited, that rings your bells. And you'll see a trend over time of things that constantly ring your bells. And that's your passion. That's your thing. Um, yeah. If you shut your mind up long enough, you stop criticizing yourself long enough, you'll, you'll hear it. Um, and, and against the, as Wayne Dyer would say, the good opinion of others. Don't share it with other people. God damn it. Never share your visions with other people unless you can trust them. Unless there are people who are encouraging to you. Never. Not even, you know, fuck your parents. Don't tell your parents what you're doing. Don't ever. Not until it's done. And then they can see the the wonderful thing that you've done. You know? Okay. There we go. So I hope that answers um, your question. There's another one I had. I wanted to pull aside. Oh, this one's really interesting. So funny. Sometimes you guys write stuff in and it's like exactly the thing I'm thinking about. Like exactly the thing I'm thinking about. You know, I think that all our minds are connected. I think that there's one consciousness and some of us are tapped into that chunk of it at the time. I know that sounds really crazy. I feel like this show is that consciousness of like whoever's listening to this and resonating with this, we're all in the same same frequencies. What do you think of that? Okay. She writes, hello, my favorite hydrated mommy. Thank you. As I grab my water bottle to take a sip. Mm. (sighs) Okay, here we go. She writes, I'm a mom of two boys. Holy shit. Seven months and three years. Get your life, mommy. Jesus. Oh, sorry. I just read that and I, I just, um, had a wave of panic and empathy for you. (laughs) I'm a mom of two boys, seven months and three years, who feels like she's lost her identity. Before I was a mom, I loved immersing myself in things. I was a yogi, practicing several times a week, doing yoga workshops, and even thinking about teaching. I was a scientist who has two master's degrees, holy shit, and worked full-time at a hospital in a managerial position. My God, I was a foodie always checking out the newest restaurants in the area. Mandatory disclaimer, I love being a mom and wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Obvi. Of course, we all we all do the disclaimer, girl. Everybody that ever complains about being a mom has to go, but just so you know. 
<laughs> I love my cat. I love, of course. I don't know why we feel compelled to say that. It's funny. It's like, um, it's like throwing salt over your shoulder. You know, when a woman um, speaks uh, remotely, like there's just a facet of motherhood that sucks. We have to throw that, that salt over our shoulder and go, no, but I love my kids. Just, just so you know. <laughs> anyway, she writes, now that I'm a mom, I feel like all the things that made up me are fading away. I'm a yogi who fits in 15 minutes of flow when I can, which isn't often. I'm a scientist who took a step down from my position in order to work less, more flexible hours. I'm a foodie who frantically tries to prepare interesting meals with two kids and go to interesting restaurants on rare date nights. I'm a mom, but a mom who cannot fully immerse herself in momming because of work, which is okay with me, quite honestly, but it's another example. I'm a wife, but sometimes look at my husband as hired help instead of the intimate partner I married. I guess my fear is that as my identity, myself, is getting lost in my ability to really become immersed in any one area of my life. I guess people would say that I'm trying to have it all and instead am ending up feeling like I have nothing. I wonder if you identify with this at all. My husband tells me that this is probably common and that I should start a mommy blog about it. Absolutely. And she writes in parentheses, mommy blogs make me want to vomit. Same here, dude. You know why they make you want to vomit? It's because bitches be lying and they don't talk about the real shit uh, that you just talked about. And I think you should start a blog immediately. And I think it's going to help you a lot. Okay. Any ideas about how to make the most of this time in our lives? My fear is that I will end up an old woman feeling like I didn't ever truly get my entire life. Yeah, you got it. I mean, look, man, uh, what you're saying is absolute truth. And it's funny because I wanted to do an episode on this phrase of, quote, having it all. Um, because I, I, I think that is one of the um, most harmful mantras in our society. I think that having it all, I don't even know what dum-dum uh, assumes you can do that in any lifetime, in any universe, in any way, shape, or form. I think nobody has it all, no matter what, where or what you're doing. I think that single people don't have it all. I think married people don't have it all. I think women with babies don't have it all ever. My point is, uh, having it all was a a backlash to the 1950s, you know, women trapped era. It was a feminist. Anthem, I think that became really destructive to everybody, everybody, men, women, children, everybody, uh, because nobody has it all ever, ever. Uh, when you're single, you want to be married, not everybody, but I'm saying if you're single, you, the thought is, well, I should be married and have kids. If you're married and have kids, you think, oh, I wish I were single and I, uh, I wish I had more time to do this and that. If you're married, maybe the pressure is, I wish you'd have a kid. If you're you know, whatever. Everybody's got something that makes it impossible to have it all. So you're never going to have it all. Never. Nobody does ever. Stop it. Give up the idea entirely. You make decisions. I think that's what, uh, what it is. Decisions, decisions and compromises. There's 24 hours in every day, right? Um, I don't know. Do I, do, you, do I feel uh, lost in identity being a mom? Yeah, in the beginning, yeah. It was really fucking weird, actually. I'm just now kind of getting it back, and here's a few things that happened to me. Uh, firstly, I remember thinking when I had a kid, I, I, I've got to be a mom now. Like, I, 
wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not Christina the comedian and wife anymore and podcaster. I'm this, uh, mom, right? Like I have a, I'm a mom. I, I got to start wearing different clothes. I, I can't listen to Howard Stern anymore because good moms don't listen to Howard Stern and good moms don't swear and, and good moms uh, breastfeed their children until they're 20 years old and go to college. And, uh, I'm falling short. I'm somehow falling short of, of what a good mom is. Um, and I think that's a lot of it is like, can, can I still be who I was and be a parent? And the answer is yeah. Because <laughs> you want your kids to know who you are, right? You want, you want your kids to know you. And do they know you or do they know the mom you're portraying yourself to be? And I, I think you're a good person. You sound like a fine human being. Most people who are into yoga are pretty fucking okay. Uh, are we... I don't know. I don't know if you're doing this. I know I was doing this, that I was trying to be somebody I wasn't this perfect mother that I thought I wanted because I never had. And I was going to, I was going to be the perfect mom. The fact is it's not going to happen. We're never going to be perfect. And, um, you're going to be you, you're going to be you with kids. Uh, and it's scary because <laughs> there's parts of me I don't love. And I know I'm going to see Ellis doing things that I don't love because I taught him those things. Um, Oh, fuck, I know. But the reason you feel shitty uh, and lost in your identity might be part of that, what I just said. And number two, uh, societal expectations of us as mothers is really fucking high, really high and very unreasonable. And that's why I don't like mommy culture at all. I'm repulsed by mommy blogs. I'm repulsed by what exists by way of books that I've read. I fucking hate them because I think the, in America anyways, the idea of the masochistic mother is the the norm, the paradigm, the masochistic mother being the one who sacrifices everything, right? We should be all mom all the time. Your identity is now a mom. You take care of these kids, everything, everything, everything goes to the children at the detri- to the detriment of mother, right? Motherhood trumps all. And I think that is very, uh, very harmful. And I know I've fallen into it and I'm just kind of now getting out of it because a lot of us drink the Kool-Aid, right? A lot of us drink the social Kool-Aid of you got to be great at this, right? Which is stupid because nobody, I wasn't born knowing how to be a mother. I had to learn just like everybody else. I don't know how to fucking change a diaper. I learned my husband didn't know he learned we it's a learned thing it's not innate and i think it's very harmful this paradigm of the masochistic mother because frankly it helps nobody i know i know my i have a good friend who grew up with a masochistic mother who suffered you know giving everything every moment to these children and she's not better for it you know you, you because the child ends up feeling guilty burdened by these quote gift of her mother's suffering and the kid, you know, who fucking wants to grow up with a mom who's parenting through gritted teeth because you're upset about your, your loss of identity. So here's the point. You're a mom. Yeah. That's one part of your identity. You're also a yogi. That's another part of your identity. You're also a wife. That's another part of your identity. Uh, the, as all of us, this is not just for people with kids listening. This is for everybody. You're not just one thing. You're not just a, a worker. You're not just a scientist. You're not just 
one, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a student. It's silly. It's not, it's not how humans are made up. You're a many faceted person. And I think that's why it makes my asshole pucker. And it's a very subtle thing. When I see women on Facebook make their, their profile picture, just the baby. It's like, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. And I know you love your children. We all are obsessed with our babies. Duh. But there has to be a part of you that is maintained as you. And then, because that makes you better at being a mom, obviously, right? If you're good at being you, if you're a little bit selfish, a little bit selfish, you're going to be a better wife, a better mom, a better person, a better yogi, a better everything. Now, how do we do that? Listen, I don't have two kids, so I, I, I don't know what your scheduling looks like. I don't know what your, I don't know. But here's what I know for me. This is what I do. Maybe this helps you. To get your identity back, to, to become the woman you were before, you must take it back. And this goes for everybody. You got you to gotta claim your life. You got to get your life. And what does that mean? Well, getting your life means scheduling your life, creating an active life. It's not that leisure time just happens or vacations just happen. You schedule that shit, right? And you're going to do, as Tony Robbins said in that wonderful Netflix documentary, uh, you're going to do what is a priority for you. You're going to do your must-haves, right? So let's say mom needs to do yoga three times a week, one time a week, not just 15 minutes a day. It doesn't sound like that's enough for you. Mom needs to do this. So guess what? Mom schedules it. I don't know. I don't know if you do this. I, I have a board in the kitchen, a dry erase board, and it's a calendar for three weeks out. And I have everything scheduled, right? I got, I got, uh, Tom's out. I'm out. I got appointments for meditation on there for me. I got my shrink on there. I got Saturday night at the comedy store on there because those are my priorities. Exercise isn't on there. It should be. (laughs) Um, But my non-negotiables are therapy, meditation, and the comedy store, right? And recording the show too. Work, right? God. Um, So you got your priorities. You put them on a calendar and you figure out a way to get out of the house to do those things. Now you have two kids. Again, I cannot relate to the, the, the chaos that that must be. I hope you have a babysitter. I hope you have a relative you can leave these babies with for an hour or two to go do the thing you need to do. And that's how you do it. And that's how you will reclaim your identity is simply doing the things that matter to you. And a lot of us get, um, you know, mommy brain where your maternal preoccupation is what my shrink says, (laughs) where you're preoccupied with the care of the children preoccupied and there's no mental space left for the other stuff and you have to create the space forcibly and as women we are trained like i said to be the masochistic suffering mother who gives everything all the time and bleeds for the kids and by the way your husband i know i know believe me it's easy to get stuck in that but he needs to be your uh lover again you guys gotta fuck first thing put those babies down tonight and go fuck your husband you know you're seven months out from giving birth i don't know if you're back there yet but you just got to fuck your husband. It's going to be a lot better. And there you go. And I, yeah, I think there could be a whole blog on this topic because it's very uh, tricky to maintain your identity is very tricky because it's so consuming, right? Parenthood. Ay, ay, ay. Ah, there's a great book too about the, the French moms uh, bringing up Bebe, 
uh, read that one. That's kind of interesting. It's uh, written by an American woman who lived in France and had a kid about um, how French women don't get caught up in this American um, obsession with our children. It is it is a full blown obsession. Jesus Christ. I mean, try buying a stroller. I we had to get a new stroller for the kid. And we went to Bye Bye Baby, and I swear there's 5,000 strollers to choose from, and they caused a fortune, and none of it... I mean, you got to... I I got... I don't don't fucking know. Okay. Last email. Let's see. I want to help this kid. (laughs) Hold on. Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah. um, uh, And the subject, he writes, I want to know why I'm so fucked up. It's my favorite. You want to know why you're all fucked up? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm a 19-year-old gay guy looking for some advice on dating. I'm also poly and bi and non-binary on weekends. Good for you. I know you aren't gay or a guy, but I have confidence in my main mommy. Thank you. She is a true water champion. Yes, and can handle anything. I love it. I came out about a year ago, and it went really well. Everyone was cool about it, and since then, I've been happily and comfortably getting my life good. As hard as it was at times, I'm actually really grateful for the time I was in the closet because it taught me how to be alone and independent without feeling like the fabric of the cosmos is ripping apart. That's nice. That's good. That being said, I'm ready to be in a real relationship. Since starting college, I've had a few short-lived things with a few guys, but all of them fizzled out after a few weeks. I met all of these boys on either Tinder or Grindr. For anyone who's never experienced it, Grindr's terrifying. I know. It's so funny. Because I used to live in Silver Lake, which is like um, Gay Bear Ground Zero. We lived right near um, this bar called MJ's. I don't think MJ's is there anymore, but it was a bear bar. And it's just like right when Grinder came out. So uh, I downloaded the app and I was like, this is terrifying. Like these are just dudes in your area who will just come over and fuck you and make your butt bleed and just <laughs> leave. It's just, it is really terrifying. It's so aggressive. And I was like, well, when straight people start doing this, this is going to be even more scary. And then Tinder came. And there you go. All right. He writes, Grinder is terrifying. It's like wandering onto a seven-lane highway of oncoming dick pics. You're so true. Many of those weirdos are old enough to be my dad. Absolutely. And I'm not getting into that shit whatsoever. Good for you. Tinder is safer, but it seems so forced and superficial to swipe through a bunch of random gays. Hoping the one whose face you like also has a personality. No shit. It's got to be tough with gay dudes, man. Because there's like, the whole thing is you have to be super hot, right? Like, it's so horrible. It's like being a woman, but worse because you guys age out. No, I think think women age out faster uh, than gay guys do. The problem is I don't know how else to meet people. I'm not outwardly, I'm not, it's not, it's not outwardly obvious that I'm gay. Most people I meet think I'm straight and I'm not old enough to go to bars or clubs. I'm also not the most outgoing person ever, so I'm not quite sure how to go, how to put myself in a situation that would allow me to meet people in a more typical way. Yeah. Do you have any dating tips for millennials? How did your best relationship start? Where do you go when you want to meet 19-year-old twinks? (laughs) Oh, to twinks. Yeah. Help me get my entire life, mommy. You got it. You got it. He writes, P.S. Is it hard raising a child in a world where Bert is so fat? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bert eats all the baby food. Okay. My poor little 19-year-old boo-boos. It's so hard being 19. It is the worst. It's the fucking worst. 
Our society fetishizes youth and youth culture, and it's probably one of the worst times in your life. And it's like, you look amazing, but it's the worst time of your life. And every movie in Hollywood wants to absolutely make it seem like youth is king, and it it really, it is and it isn't. So, okay. So you're saying you want a serious relationship at 19 years old, um, and you've just come out not long ago. Uh... I don't know where you live. It doesn't say if you're in a major city or if you're in some podunk uh, town. Um, But good for you. I I don't think you should. I I think here's what I've heard from my gay man friends over the years. I'll I'll tell you that because I am not a gay dude. Uh, But I've watched. uh, I lived in San Francisco back when I think it still is gay, but now it's more yuppies. And I watched my friends go through coming out and um, meeting guys. Uh, good for you that you're off the apps. I don't. I think for hookups, that's fantastic. And uh, it sounds like you've just come out, so I would recommend fucking a lot more people and dating a bit more. Because uh, that's what I hear. That's what I hear is that you got to go through the first few whatevers, and then you have your first serious boyfriend. And I hear that that's cray cray and emotional. But how do you meet them when you're 19? You can't go to gay bars because that is where. Uh, I know dudes meet other dudes. Uh, if you're in a big city, there have to be gay coffee houses. I know in San Francisco there were places where you know people could go where there were not alcohol served. I'm sure there are gay events, meetup groups. There's that meetup app. Uh, I know I sound like a thousand years old <laughs> saying I feel like a fucking nerd alert. Um, And I think, unfortunately, because you're not broadcasting your orientation, maybe you should. Is that the right thing to do? I've always felt like the people who put it out there um, get what they want a bit quicker because you are like, hey, I'm a gay person. I'm broadcasting this frequency. Please answer my frequency. So I think what I would suggest is maybe broad turning it up just a hair, taking risks, talking to people that you might think are gay too. That would seem to be logical. Um, do you go to school for my relationships? College was the place where I met people. Uh, and you kind of know in college who's what, you know what I mean? That's pretty obvious or people are starting to come out at that age. Uh, college is great. Interests are great. What do you like to do? I've always had the best relationships through mutual friends. Uh, obviously this is pre internet dating, um, comedy clubs, you know, cause I was always there. Go to comedy clubs. I always feel like there's gay dudes at comedy clubs. I think it helps to meet other gay men who have a circle of friends that you can get involved with. That's always, I remember how my friends did it in college. Uh, You meet a guy who's like super hooked up with other dudes and you meet him that way. And then you start dating within a circle. I think that's how it goes. Uh, Do what you like. And I feel like that will always attract other people with like interests. Um, Where else do gay men hang out? Gosh, I don't even know anymore. I'm so lame. There have to be haunts, right, that are besides the bar. And I know, unfortunately, gay, the gay bar is like the center of the community. Um, I'm sorry. I wish I, ha- I wish I knew what city you lived in. Mm. Anyway, find a group. There's got to be a group for people, gay men. There's a fucking gay men choirs. 
There's uh, gay men who love bass fishing. There's got to be groups, meetup groups or something that you can get into as as a 19-year-old to find your tribe. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good question. Where do underage gay dudes meet each other? Uh, School. That's what I think. Hang out on college campuses. There you go. (laughs) Go Go to college, everybody. Just do that. Oh, college is great. I wish I could go back. All right, that's it. That's my show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Email me. That's deepropodcast at gmail.com. Let's talk about whatever the fuck is up in the universe, in the world. I'm going to go now. I'm going to go with the Hubster. What are we going to do? I think we're going to go swimming. That'll be fun, right? I need to to exercise today, so I'm going to do that. Have a great week. Um, Get your entire life. Know why you're all fucked up and email me and uh we'll talk next week guys all right until then that's been d bro i don't know philosophize with It's Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.